When I'm low in spirit, I cry, Lord, lift me up. I want to go higher with Thee. But the Lord knows I can't live. Matthew 12. And if you'll hold your place there, I will, I will get to it. Uh, I think in just a few minutes. I'm not always sure. Uh, Paul writing in Romans chapter 10 tells us that if we should confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, and he said, believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, he says, thou shalt be saved. Not could be, not might be. No, he says, thou shalt be saved. Confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in the heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. And as a matter of fact, he goes on in verse 13 of the same chapter and says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, confessing with his mouth, believing with his heart, shall be saved. I'm so glad that's true, aren't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad God didn't put salvation way up where I couldn't reach it. And uh, I find it amazing. And as I've told you before, my dad was saved when he was 59 years old. And I think one of the reasons that held, one of the things that held my dad back so long was that he could not understand how God could love him Enough to just give him salvation. Uh, he felt like, I don't even know that dad felt like he could work enough to get salvation. And, and so he just pushed it aside. An old glad day uh, when, when it came into his heart that God indeed would save him. As he will save anyone that will come to him confessing with his mouth the Lord Jesus, believing in his heart that God hath raised him from the dead. The resurrection is a very important doctrine in the Christian faith. Without it, you can't be saved. You've got to believe that God raised him from the dead. Our Savior is not still in the grave. I was over in Israel a couple of years ago, just for a couple of days, and I went to one of the tombs they said he was probably buried in. Uh, and, and it was empty. I, and if that's not the tomb he was buried in, if you can find it, it's empty too. Unless they put somebody in it after him. Because he got up out of the grave. He lives. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Again, uh, Paul says, I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. Do you know this morning in whom you have believed. You say, well, I joined the church. It's not what I asked. You've heard stories of preachers telling somebody, come up to them and say, hey, you saved me. No, in whom have you believed? Paul again writes, therefore we are always confident. Now, that you have believed are you confident? Knowing that's why we're in home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. 
But one of these glad days, we will be released from this tabernacle of clay and be in His divine presence. Right now, I'm in His presence by faith. Then I will be in His presence by sight. Paul again writes, comfort one another with these words. And he's talking about the rapture of the church. Does the thought of the second coming of Christ or the rapture of the church, does that comfort your heart? I can hardly help it when uh, these uh, gentlemen are singing uh, about the coming of the Lord or the rapture of the church. Something inside me wants to said, say, yippee, amen, or like one fellow said, hot dog, say, amen. Then again, Paul says, I am persuaded in Romans 8. I am persuaded. I have these questions for you. Do you know? Are you confident? Are you comforted? And are you persuaded? I don't mean when you're in church talking to one another. I mean in the darkness of night and it's just you and God. Are or do you know and are you confident? Are you comforted and are you persuaded? That if right now, this very moment, you died or Jesus came again, would it be well with your soul? Isn't that a beautiful song? That, that third verse, when not part of my sins, but all of my sins he took on him. I tell you, that's, that's good stuff. And, and then it builds. And that, that last verse and talks about his, his second coming. Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful song. And and uh, not only in melody, but in, in the words, how strong and vibrant and alive they are as we think of the second coming of Christ. Now, I want you to keep those things in mind as we're going to look at, at two passages of Scripture this morning. And, and we'll be out around two. And the restaurants will be empty. And you won't have any trouble getting in. Amen? All right. Go with me now, uh, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 43. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 43. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my uh, house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty and swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with him uh, himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. So here we have a man that is demon-possessed. Um, not just demon-influenced. Uh, and by the way, I don't think a Christian can be demon-possessed. Uh, I think he can be influenced uh, by Satan and by demons. And <clears throat> obviously I believe in demons. Uh, I don't think the Christian can be possessed, but the unbeliever can. He opens up his life and it seemingly has happened to this guy. But he only had one demon. It's not like the legion that we'll, we'll talk about around one. But it's... Uh, <laughs> It's about, it's a, it's just, it's just one demon. And, and this demon will go out of this man. I'm, I'm assuming 
and perhaps I shouldn't, but I do, I'm assuming uh, that this demon felt like my work's done here. I've done about all to this guy I can do. And so he leaves him, and and he's going out now, and he's looking for a place uh, that he'd rather live. Uh, Perhaps he lived in Michigan, and he's looking now toward Bonita Springs. Uh, But he's looking at another place. But hey, he can't find a place that he likes any better. And then there have been some Michigan people moved uh, south who decided, no, I just some shovel snow has killed mosquitoes. I'm going back home. But uh, he said as he went out and he started looking for that better place, he couldn't find one. And so he went back home. Well, when he got back home and possessed this man again, he found his house, or this man, empty and swept and garnished. So he went out and got seven more demons, more wicked than he himself, and they come back and possess this man. You see, emptiness produces a vacuum. Uh, I know there's the story of the of the uh, the young damsel when Paul goes into Philippi, and she's following uh, Paul and Silas around town, and she's saying, oh, "These are the men of God. They have the way of life, and so on." And uh, Paul, who was of the opinion that sweet water couldn't come from a bitter well, turns on her and demands that the demon spirits come out of her, and she is released from her demon possession. Now. Again, I'm going to assume, but I cannot be certain that the young damsel went on to be saved. Because being released from the power of Satan is not equal to being saved. There is another step that has to take place. I have dealt with three people in my ministry that I knew was demon-possessed. Not influenced, not, I knew they were demon possessed. Uh, I have not seen any of the three get saved. I, I saw, I saw one released. And I pled with that one to come to Christ and be saved, but to my knowledge never was and is in eternity now. So being released from the power of Satan is not equal to being saved by the grace of God. So it left a vacuum. And when you leave a vacuum, you're open then to receive anything. And this man indeed uh, did. Uh, He said not only was he empty, but he was swept. Uh, He he, uh, perhaps turned over a new leaf in life. And, and said, well, I'm getting along pretty good now. I, I think maybe I'll bring some uh, money home for groceries. I, I'm, I might even help my kids get a, a new pair of sandals. And why, my soul, I might even go to church with them on Sunday. And, 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 and won't even beat them on Saturday. There's an old law still on the books in a town in Tennessee It says you can beat your wife, but only on the courthouse steps on Sunday. No, no, I'm not going to tell you the name of town. Some of you will move there. (laughs) 
He turned over a new leaf in life. It was garnished. Evidently, everything, as far as an outward appearance, said everything's okay. And we can do that. We, we can get the right kind of clothes. We can get the right kind of haircut. We can use odor arm deodorant. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of things that we can do. We, we can even buy us a King James Bible and look spiritual. But just because it's garnished on the outside doesn't mean that there's life on the inside. You see, we can put on. Evidently, this man was. But the Bible says that the last state of that man was worse than the first. You've seen this happen to people. You've seen people come to church, make a profession of faith, perhaps followed through with baptism, and it looked like they were on fire. And then all of a sudden, they fizzled. And you couldn't find them, and you went out to visit them, but they wouldn't answer the door. You see. It looked real good for a while. And then later on, maybe months later, maybe years later, you hear about their condition and they're living worse now than they did before they made the profession of faith. You've seen those kinds of people. That's what happened to this guy. He came in and said, I want to get all cleaned up. I want to get all ready to go. And you know, in my thinking, uh, the hardest life on earth uh, to fake is the Christian life. It must be miserable to try to act like a Christian when you're not. Oh, I've, uh, I've, I've uh, mentioned this to you before, but uh, of course my dad went home to be with the Lord in January of 1990. Mom went home about four years ago. Uh, but <clears throat> I'd be around mom and uh, she outlived daddy 20 something years. And uh, I would do something and then she, and she'd say to me, the older you get, the, m the more you act like your daddy. And then even now I'll do things and my wife will call me Katie. That was my mom's name. And, and she'll say, Katie, uh, you do that just like your mom. Well, now God knows this is true. I have never tried to act like dad. I've never tried to act like mom. I might be better off if I did. But, but it's never been my intent. I want to do this because my dad did this or this because my mom did this. It's never been my intent. I was born this way. I'm a whetstone. I act like a whetstone because I was born a whetstone. Christians ought not have to act like Christians. It ought to be part of our nature. That Christ is living out through us. And it ought to be obvious to the world that we're saved by the grace of God. Now, there, there are outlandish things that you could do. And, uh, and people will equate you with the Christian faith, but a little kooky. I think you can live an absolutely normal life and still... Others can see Christ in you. This ought not to be a life of fake. It ought to be real to us. 
And, and, and the part that we, we, we have a hard time coming to grips with and living, it, it ought not to be, well, I'm going to fake that. It ought to be, I want to get right with God and clear that up in my life. You see. And these struggles go on in us all the time because we're still in this flesh. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That battle will rage until Jesus come, comes and changes us completely. So we are in a warfare. And I'm not saying that, that you're not a Christian because you had a bad thought or, or even because you did a bad deed. But I'm saying if that is the part and parcel of your life and there isn't a conviction that says, I want to do better than that, then you have a real problem. Here is a man demon-possessed, released from his demon possession, but the demons came back, not only one, but eight now, and the last state of the man is worse than the first. In contrast, would you turn with me please to Mark chapter 5. Mark and chapter number 5, I'll begin reading with verse number 1. Mark chapter 5 and verse number 1. Mark 5 and verse 1. Okay, if you haven't found it, fake it now. No, Mark chapter 5 and verse number 1. Take all the time you need. And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, and had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. And he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, my, uh, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much, that he would not send them away out of the country. Now therefore there were nigh unto the, uh, there were nigh unto the mountains a, a great herd of swine feeding. If you're from North Carolina, that's hogs. Verse 12. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd um, ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000, and were choked in the sea. And they that uh, fed the swine fled, and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was come into the ship, 
He that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. Altogether different story. Completely different story. And, and this man doesn't have one demon. He has a legion of demons in him. Well, the Lord Jesus arrives. The, the city of commerce had already gotten together evidently several times. And they uh, got a posse together and they, and they said, listen, if we don't capture this man and, and get him uh, put away somewhere, we're never going to have tourists come to our country. Uh, they, they'll come down to our coast and they'll see this crazy man running wild through the tombs and, and, they'll, they'll, and word's going to spread and our tourism is going to absolutely be ruined. We've got to do something about this. And so they sent a posse out and they caught this man and they bound him with fetters and with chains. But the demons in him were so strong that they would break the fetters and the chains and he would tear his clothes off and run through the tombs, uh, cutting himself with sharp objects. That had to be a frightening experience indeed. This man undoubtedly has a mom and dad somewhere. Could be that he even had a wife and children. I don't know. But somebody cares about this man. No doubt they wanted him to get help. Well, along comes the Lord Jesus. And, uh, and uh, this, this man sees him. Now, I don't, think the, I don't think the man said, I want to go and worship Christ. I think it was the demons that were in him, possessed him, uh, caused him to run and fall down before Christ and begin to worship because they knew who Jesus was. And so Jesus uh, uh, communicates with these demon spirits. What's your name? Our name is Legion. And they begged him, don't, don't cast us into oblivion. Let us stay. And so they looked nearby, and there's a herd of swine, 2,000 head. That's a pretty good herd of hogs today. Um, I don't guess the owner was a Jewish man. But nonetheless, they said, let us go into the swine. Now, now listen, there was enough demons in this man to cause 2,000 hogs to run off of a steep place into the sea and drown. My soul, his, his uh, problems must have been multiplied by many compared to the man in Matthew 12, who had only one and ended up with eight. And so the swine run into the sea and they're, and they're lost. The, the two men that fed the swine ran back into the towns and said, Hey, hey, <clears throat> come out. There's, something has happened here. Why? Were they astonished that, that Jesus had been able to calm this man? No. No. It was job security. Who's going to hire them? Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you lost 2,000 head of hogs in one day. Yeah, I, I'm going to hire you. No, they wanted, they wanted people to come out and see. Hey, it wasn't my fault. And so people come out from everywhere. And when they get there, they find the Lord Jesus standing, teaching this demon, formerly demon-possessed man. And the Bible says he was sitting 
clothed and in his right mind. Tells me his heart was right. He's sitting at the feet of the Lord Jesus. He wants to learn. Yeah, when the heart is right, we're compelled to go where the Bible's being taught, preached. I want to hear it. I want, I, I, I'm looking for help. I, I don't go to church to get out. I, I go to church to get help. You say, have you gotten help? Oh, just, just hearing the Calvary Quartet sing has helped me. Shaking hands with you and fellowshipping, that's helped me. Sure. Looking into the perfect law of liberty always helps me. Yeah. So, so we, we too, when our hearts are right, want to sit at the feet of the Lord Jesus. But not only does he say that his heart was right, he said his body was right. Here he is clothed. I, I don't suppose he's heard a single message on being clothed. Uh, maybe he knows the Chamber of Commerce put something on him. But there's something in him, now that his heart is made right, he wants to put on clothes. Go figure. Hmm? Yes. His heart is right. His body is right. His mind is right. Sitting clothed and in his right mind. Nobody away from Christ is in his right mind. The prodigal son left his father and went down, wasted his substance and riotous living, ends up uh, in taking care of swine, not only taking care of them, but eating with them. But the Bible says, when he came to himself, he wasn't in his right mind. But when he got in his right mind, he said, I will arise and go to my father's house. Maybe you've not been in church in a while. Maybe you have gone astray. Maybe you feel like you're in a far country. Well, I'm going to tell you, you can come back to your father's house. You say, well, people will talk about me. Oh, we're going to talk about you anyhow. <laughs> No, no, born-again believers will be excited and blessed and will want to help you and embrace you as you return to the Lord. So his, his heart was right, his body was right, his mind was right, and then finally his will was right. In the latter part of the story, the Lord Jesus is leaving. And this man goes down to the ship and says, I want to go with you. Well, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'm telling you, if Lord Jesus comes through here today, I want to go wherever he's going. He says, I want to go with you. You've done something in my life no one else could do. I want to go with you. And the Lord Jesus said, that'd be wonderful fellowship. But it would be better if you would go back uh, to Decapolis and tell uh, your friends and relatives how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had mercy on thee. And he said, okay. So he said, I want to go with you, but more than that, I want to do your will. And he said, then go back and tell your family and friends how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and had compassion on thee. Can you imagine what that was like? When he saw his mom and dad, perhaps, or, or going back home, if he had a wife and children, he goes back home and knocks on the door and a tender voice uh, says, may I come in? And the wife doesn't recognize it. I've not heard a voice like that. 
I've lived in shame while my husband ran naked through the tombs, cutting himself with sharp objects. She's afraid to open the door, perhaps. Maybe peeking out here and there to try to get good vision of him. It looks like her husband, but she's not sure. Never heard him sound like that before. Finally, she opens the door, comes in, they embrace, and he's restored to fellowship with his family again. Can you imagine the kind of testimony that that bore to a lost and dying world? That this man, that all of them knew, was possessed of hell, is now in the good care of God and saved by His grace. So we went all about Decapolis, the ten cities, telling people how great things the Lord had done for him and had had compassion on him. If we were given time, one after another after another in this room this morning could stand and tell how great things the Lord has done for you and has had compassion on you. That should be a witness. If you're sleeping restless nights, if you're closing your eyes and in the fear of dying, if you are not absolutely certain that your name is in the Lamb's book of life, now would be a good time to do something about that and say, by the grace of God, I'm not willing to live in fear any longer. God does not give the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind, as he did for this man in Mark chapter number 5. I ask you this morning, where are you living? Are you living in Matthew 12 or Mark 5? Is it reformation that you've gone through or is it redemption? that you have enjoyed. Only you can know, but I guarantee you, you do know. If the Spirit of the living God is living in you, He'll give witness to being in you. And you need not fear and fret anymore. You not only can have peace with God, you can enjoy the peace of God in your own life. It's a wonderful thing to be saved. If life gives way to me in this moment, I believe before my head can touch this floor, angels will bear my soul to be with God. I'm saved. Not because of any good thing I have ever done. Not because of any good life I have ever, ever lived. I am saved because Jesus Paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. If you're not absolutely certain of your eternal destiny, you can know. How? By confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believing in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead. And no, it is not two o'clock. I went through a period of time in my life where I wasn't sure. Oh, 
Dr. Richard Rupp. Pastor, you remember Dr. Rupp. I went to him and said, Dr. Rupp, I said, I'm, I'm really having a hard time. <clears throat> he said, well, Danny, you're just going to have to believe God. That's all he said. No, sit down here with me and let me show you some verses. No, let's fall down here on the floor and pray until we have peace. He just went back to work. You just going to have to believe God. I got in my car and started driving out toward the house. And I said to myself, if he doesn't know any more than that, maybe I ought to be teaching. But I tell you, the closer I got to home, the more sense it made. I either believed God or I didn't. We lived in a 12 to 60 mobile home. I had a 169X old Schofield Bible. Couldn't go to heaven without one. In those days. <laughs> I opened my Bible to Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I laid my open Bible down in the floor. I had one jacket. Thank the Lord it had several colors in it. I wore it every day to school. I pulled my jacket off and set it aside. I loosened my tie. I got down on my elbows and on my knees and I put my index finger on Romans 10, 13. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I said this, Lord, I promise you this day, I will never doubt this again. Before I knew it, I was on my feet. I had unfurled my handkerchief. I walked down to the end of our mobile home. Up in the front end, it had glass. And I pressed my nose against that glass and shouted, Hallelujah. <clears throat> Sixty feet. I walked to the other end of that trailer. I stepped up on the bed and pressed my nose against the back wall. Waved my handkerchief and said, Hallelujah. Now that's been a long time ago. And God knows this is true. I have never doubted Him again. You do not have to live in the darkness of doubt. But you do have to believe God to get peace. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love and grace. Reveal to our hearts the difference between reformation and redemption. If there's one person in this room this morning that is living under the labor of trying to act like a Christian without being one. May today they be released from that bondage and know the sweetness of the entrance of Christ. O Holy Spirit of God, do a work that we cannot do. As Simon Peter said, that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, 
flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Manifest yourself, O God, to that one that weeps at night, wondering why there is no peace. May the Prince of Peace make a visit today. Perhaps there are some in this room today, Lord, who have never made a profession of faith. Oh, today would be a good day. Maybe there are those who perhaps they don't need to be saved, but they certainly need the assurance that they are. May sunlight break through in their lives and they go home with peace today. Have your perfect will accomplished in every life, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.